Hello, and welcome to another episode of NICE Talks. I'm Alice Kay, a member of NICE's media team. In this episode, we're going to be talking about our recently published Shared Decision-Making Guideline and the important role shared decision-making plays in supporting good health care. We'll be talking to NICE Chief Executive Professor Gillian Leng and Share Committee Guideline Committee Chair Marie Burnham about the new guideline, which was published on the 17th of June. Jill and Marie will talk about the development of this guideline and how it will help improve healthcare for patients. Jill, can you describe the aim of this guideline? The Shared Decision-Making Guideline fundamentally aims to ensure that shared decision-making, that's a decision literally shared between a clinician and a patient, is absolutely core to everyday work in our health service. And that means what it says on the tin. It's probably the opposite of what we might have thought about in the past as paternalistic medicine, where the, the doctor knew what was right and pretty much told the patient what treatment they would get. Nowadays, there are so many different options, be that surgery or be that a drug treatment or be that just watching and waiting, that it's really important that patients genuinely understand those options and are part of that shared decision. So they really understand and own that decision. And of course, it's fundamentally important and healthcare professionals would all support this as a concept but it isn't always easy to do. So the guideline gives advice, gives recommendations on how to help healthcare professionals do this well. So what principles underpin the guideline? Probably three main principles that have come out of developing the guideline. The first one is that shared decision-making should be routine. It should be part of everyday healthcare embedded across all different types of settings, all different levels. So that's, that's one. The second one is that communication is core to that and communication has to be two-way both from the healthcare professional and the healthcare professional listening to what the patient has to contribute to that. Because listening to the views of patients, what they value, what matters to them about their life is central to shared decision making. So two-way communication. And the third one is that as a result of that, the patients feel empowered to make a decision themselves. So they've had the information that they need, they've had a conversation, and they feel in a really good position to take that shared decision. How does the shared decision making guideline fit in with NICE's wider work? Well, these recommendations are now central to most of the work that we've done, if not all of it, because as you can imagine, a shared, a shared decision-making process will underpin all the recommendations that we've made across all our guidelines because it's key to good care and good health care. So we also expect that future guidelines will draw on these principles and link to this guideline where appropriate. So it's very much an underpinning guideline that should be used across, across the board. Marie, how will this guideline change the experience for patients? I mean, that's the whole point of the the recommendations, really, both for staff and patients. But in in terms of the patient's experience, we do hope it leads to better healthcare and outcomes and experiences for patients. And we want to balance the benefit of treatment against the risks associated with the care that they receive so that when they're having these conversations with their clinicians, they can make informed decisions about what kind of care treatment they want to have or be involved with. So I think it'll hopefully make a massive improvement into informed decision-making for them as patients. So do you think shared decision-making will increase patients' confidence? 
I would hope it would allow patients to feel more confident dealing with their practitioner and not seeing a bit of them and us but more of a partnership arrangement in that decision about their care and that's quite a shift in our mentality in in Great Britain particularly where you know in the past it's been clinicians more or less taking the responsibility for making decisions whereas moving forward we want those decisions to be a shared decision an informed decision and for patients in some cases I think that's quite an unusual situation and unique but something that needs to be encouraged and moved forward on. Is this quite a change in direction for the patient experience? Very much so. Uh, I think particularly where sometimes it's life-changing decisions or indeed it could be end-of-life decisions, sometimes patients don't want to have those difficult conversations and I think that's very much up to the patient and the practitioner to work that out and the patient to feel confident they've made an informed decision. In the past they may well have had procedures done that had they had more information they may not have undertaken. So yes, I think it'll be different. What do you think the impact will be on healthcare staff? I think many healthcare staff will always believe they try and make the right decisions for their patients. That for being the operative word, I think in future, healthcare staff may need help to realise those decisions might need to be more shared about the future management of their individual patient conditions. Some patients may even want to record conversations to enable them to understand the discussion they've just had if they've been given some quite sad news. So in some ways staff will need help and support and training in being able to do that more effectively. I think many staff do it effectively anyway but I think it's making sure it becomes the norm in our staffing in the NHS particularly moving forward that we make these decisions together. It sounds like a lot of work went into this guideline. As you can imagine, Alice, a lot of work. We know we have over 15 committee members. We've got nine members relating to the NICE team, as well as expert witnesses. It's a guideline of of great importance. Not a lot of evidence in some areas, and where the evidence wasn't there, we had to bring in expert witnesses on the qualitative side. So a tremendous amount of work and effort's gone in by all concerned. How important is it that we explain risks and benefits of treatments to patients? Yeah, I mean, it is really important to make sure the person understands the risks and benefits and possible consequences of different options through discussion with sharing. I think all we need, well, not all we need to do, but what we need to continue to do is communicate that to patients, continue to train and develop our staff, continue to make patients aware that shared decision making is an integral part of what we should be doing. And, and more importantly, or as importantly, for patients to understand the treatment choices that are available to them so they can make a decision. Not all patients will want procedures undertaken once they understand the consequences of a clinical decision or something that may happen to them. So I think as long as we are open, honest, and we continue to have the ethos of shared decision-making in our culture, I think patients will, will undoubtedly feel better informed. I think they'll get a greater satisfaction out of the care that's being given to them and I think it'll improve the trust between people and the healthcare professionals. There was extensive collaboration with other organisations on the development of these recommendations. Was this unusual and is this something NICE will be doing more of in the future? Well we always engage stakeholders and experts and patient groups in the development of our guidelines. So at that level, it wasn't unusual. But of course, this, this was quite unusual as a, as a guideline because it does cut across so many aspects of health and care. 
So we did do perhaps more than we might normally do. There's something called the Shared Decision-Making Collaborative, a group of over 40 organisations from across the research and healthcare sector with a particular interest in shared decision-making. And many of those organisations provided feedback on the guideline. And that's great because that meant we had more comments from stakeholders than normal, reflecting the wide-ranging scope of this guideline. And it's been great to see people in that collaborative sharing and promoting this guideline to their network. Jill, what further work is NICE planning in this area? Well, as I, as I mentioned, we've got our own work on our own guideline presentation that will help shared decision making. But we're also working with Keele University to create an online learning package for shared decision making. It's going to be free to access and will help equip healthcare professionals with the skills and knowledge that they need to carry out shared decision making. So we're, we're hoping that will facilitate some of the training needs that we know are out there in relation to how to carry out shared decision making effectively. And we've also published a minimum standards framework for shared decision making tools, including tools specifically aimed at patients. And that's there to make sure that people can identify what a good decision aid looks like with a checklist for those people developing them. There are lots of shared decision aids out there, which is good, but this will help people take a view on whether they are any good, what the quality of them is. So those things are in place. And if people have had chance to read our strategy, they will see that shared decision making is really a core feature of our strategic priorities for the next five years. And taking forward this guideline, supporting its use is really crucial. And we hope to get support from a whole range of different organisations and individuals to make that happen. So Marie, what exactly is a patient decision aid? AIDS is, is what they are, that they are t- there to aid decision making. And there's strong evidence to support that AIDS do empower the patient to make informed decisions. The problem with all AIDS though, they can go out of date very quickly. So we did look at as a committee the importance of having maintained library for AIDS so that it's always up to date. It's always, you know, the latest information to support that decision making process. I think that's the challenge for organisations today, making sure that maintained libraries there. I think it depends on the organisation, what it has available. I think sometimes people think by giving a patient a leaflet, they've given them a decision, they've given them information, that's an aid. But actually that aid needs to be given with some thought and discussion about what's being given to the patient. So it could be digital, it could be, you know, it could be a YouTube channel nowadays, it could even be paper-based. They come in all different forms. The most important thing is making sure that data is maintained and up-to-date as possible. Marie, can you sum up the importance of this guideline? I think it's a great guideline. I think it's long awaited, really. This guideline, I'm hoping, is there in the context that people can can read it. Professional people particularly understand the importance of that shared decision making and it becomes an integral part of the ethos of our organisations delivering care to our patients here in, in England, Great Britain and hopefully the rest of the world. Thank you for listening to this episode of Nice Talks. If you've enjoyed this episode, please remember to click subscribe to keep up to date with our monthly podcasts. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn and Instagram with the handle at NiceComs. Thanks for joining us and please do have a look at the shared decision making guideline on the Nice website. Until next time.